0: So, Ruth, you know I've had delivery on my mind a lot during the pandemic.
1: Right. Like, you've been ordering it a bit less during this crazy time, but I've actually been ordering it a bit more.
0: Yeah, which in your case just means more than never. But (laughs) yes, when you first suggested we do a whole season on delivery, I was immediately on board. And I figured we could start by just unpacking some of our feelings and, like, hang-ups about delivery.
1: Yeah, sure. And I think we should do this over food. Let's do this at our editor Ponty's house because she's got an outdoor space. Plus, she's got a dog and I can say no to puppy therapy.
0: Right. So I'll take care of the order. I'm going to get something that I think is going to shock you, surprise you. And maybe it'll change your idea of what delivery can be. As long as you bring the takes.
1: Yes, the takes will be hot, even if the food isn't because it most likely won't be because it was delivered.
0: Little do you know, Ruth Tam, little do you know. Let's go. All right, so uh, the Dasher's nearby. Like, is on your street corner. See ya. See ya, I'll be back with food shortly. Thank you. All right, we got got our stuff. Oh boy! Do you do you have any guesses? I told you like a minute ago that we've been to this restaurant. We together. have been
1: to this restaurant together, and I like it.
0: We like this food. I don't like. I we won't... like
1: this food.
0: Yes, I've specifically eaten this food with you. Did you get half smokes? I didn't get half smokes. Okay, okay. I okay. would not tip it please don't tip it over knowing the don't food tip it over food, don't Stand tip it up. over
1: oh my god uh, what
0: what did I get you Ruth
1: raw oysters (laughs) like oysters on the half shell oh the bottom is wet like the bag is like
0: oh that's gross
1: wait it didn't leak it's just so cold that i thought it was wet like the bag is so cold (laughs) okay cocktail sauce okay all right this is the these are the fries oh my god why does anyone ever order fries
0: oh yeah i can like see some condensation
1: okay this box is um i just uh unbox these fries and the flaps are like like so wet they're like sopping i'm gonna try one of these red oh yeah that's um you hear that no yeah exactly there's no there's no crunch (laughs) to these fries
0: what how do you feel about delivery generally
1: um The way I feel about delivery can best be summarized by one of the lowest moments in the pandemic for me. And, you know, I was coming off like a long day of work and um, I needed to cook something for dinner, but I also needed to catch up with my friend Ariel. Like we had a planned phone call and everything. So what do you know in the middle of the conversation, like smoke detector goes off and I was just like, okay, like Ariel, I got to call you back. And I like go and I grab my, my broom and I like poke, like jab the the broom up at the ceiling to get the smoke detector to just shut up. And I like turn back and I'm walking to the stovetop to turn off the heat and uh, a mouse runs over my bare foot. Oh no. <laughs>
0: and you hate mice.
1: I, I, tr- I like screamed. I don't think I've, you know, I now know like what my scream would sound like if I'm like genuinely afraid. Like you always kind of wonder like, do I have like would I have like a horror movie like scream or like would it be like this guttural noise and it's like a combination of both for me. (laughs) I just like emotionally bottomed out like I just collapsed I like freaked out I managed to like turn off the heat but I like ran away from the kitchen I started crying I like I had a full-on panic attack and I had to you know I texted Ariel back and I was like I think we're gonna have to reschedule our call. Like I have a panic attack. Oh no. And Ariel being like the kind person she is, was like, Do you want like are you okay? Like, do you want me to order you food? That's so And nice. I was like, No. Like, I just, like, left food, like, uncooked on my stovetop. It was burnt.
0: Did you take a picture of the burnt food?
1: No, I Uh. left the kitchen. I didn't re-enter it for, like, two days. Oh, no! (laughs) I just, like, ate snacks. That's a long story, but I think it shows you that even in, like, my lowest moments or, like, A time where it might make sense to order delivery, I couldn't bring myself to do it. (laughs) Basically, I don't think delivery makes anything better for anybody involved. It's a logistical nightmare, and it just adds so much pressure to every stage of the process. And the food isn't even better for it. Like, I appreciate you getting me oysters. It had been a long time since I had them. They were actually delicious. But there's really no practical reason to get raw, shucked oysters delivered in an ice water bath. They're just so fragile. And then fries? Just do not even get me started on fries. I will just be complaining for the next hour.
0: Why do you care about delivery now, though? Like, Why are you trying to convince yourself one way or the other?
1: Well, I think I have a tendency to overthink things.
0: Good thing you have a podcast.
1: <laughs> um, but seriously, during the pandemic, I think there's this increased opportunity to think about how so many of our small everyday decisions that we didn't use to overanalyze, how those decisions affect other people. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was being fed this narrative like, order delivery, it'll save your local restaurants. And I have actually ordered delivery more in the past year, uh, partially because I can't go out to eat as much, but also because I'm trying to support local businesses. And I guess I've spent the last year wondering if that idea that delivery is what's saving local restaurants right now is
0: actually true. That's been on my mind too, actually. I used to order delivery like kind of frequently, but I've been ordering a lot less and turning towards takeout instead in hopes that more of my bill is going straight to the restaurant and to at least like feel like I'm keeping the employees safer. I don't actually know if I'm making an impact though.
1: Well, time to find out. I'm Ruth Tam.
0: And I'm Patrick Fort. And on Dish City, we tell stories of city change through local food. And on this season, we're focusing on delivery.
1: During the pandemic, demand for restaurant delivery has jumped. Companies like DoorDash and Grubhub reported a huge increase in sales, and the demand for delivery has changed the way that restaurants function.
0: So this season on Dish City, how did delivery become a thing? How did we get from calling a local restaurant to seeing robots in our neighborhood? And does delivery actually support local restaurants, especially during the pandemic?
1: The more and more people kind of order delivery, the more and more some of these restaurants leaned into it.
0: To the extent that you're interacting with these platforms, don't trust them at all.
1: Drinking and getting Burger King delivered to our house. It's the best. It's the best thing ever. On this episode, how did delivery work its way into the American appetite? When I was a teenager, it felt like every adult on television was ordering delivery. On Gilmore Girls, Lorelai and Rory practically live on delivery food.
2: We ordered too much
1: food. Well, the point we need a wide cross section for our local takeout tests. In one particularly memorable scene from season four, Rory has just started college and Lorelai insists that they order from every single restaurant that will deliver to her dorm. And they order so much food that they arrange the packages they get by country of origin. The whole point of getting everything within delivery
3: distance is so we can judge the quality of food, speed of service, cuteness of delivery guys on a scale of one to ten. We cannot work from memory on this. Where's your phone? Uh, under Mexico. I bet it's pizza. Come
1: help. On Sex and the City, if the four main characters weren't eating out, they were ordering in.
3: I'd like to order some takeout.
1: Miranda calls for Chinese food to be delivered so often that the person answering the phone could finish her sentences
3: to order some chicken with broccoli in a brown... brown sauce with brown rice cold noodles i know every night the same
1: right and one thing i learned as we started reporting on delivery is that there's one cuisine that reigns supreme
0: tonight is friday and i believe you know what that means Am I
1: you can see it on the big bang theory
0: <laughs> no that means it's chinese food night the nanny. Cultures.
1: We order Chinese food. They learn how Jewish people eat. <laughs> <laughs> on The Andy Milanakis Show. Oh, boy. Throwback. Yeah, I'll just have uh, one order of Mushu pork. On Seinfeld. We
0: gotta get something. I don't wanna go to that meeting on an empty stomach. You know, let's get some Chinese. You wanna, wanna order? Go- All right, uh, but then we gotta get some work done.
1: And the Big Bang Theory again.
0: Did you remember to ask for the chicken with broccoli to be diced, not shredded? Yes. Even though the menu description specifies shredded? Yes. Brown
2: rice, not white? Yes. You stop at the Korean grocery and get the good hot mustard? Yes. You pick up the sodium soy sauce from the market? Yes. Good.
1: And there's actually a reason why American Chinese delivery food is so popular on TV. One of the reasons that Chinese food is so iconic in... Um, American movies and television show is this idea of like continuity. That's Jennifer Aitley. She's the author of The Fortune Cookie Chronicles and the producer of a documentary called The Search for General So. She told me that food delivery, especially American Chinese food, is super popular on TV because it makes editing a scene where characters are eating so much easier to shoot. Think about it. When your actors are eating out of those iconic white takeout boxes, you don't have to keep track of how much food is leaving a plate and putting that food back after each take.
0: Right. And you can't tell how much food is left in one of those white Chinese takeout boxes.
1: Like here I was thinking that everyone was so into food delivery, particularly Chinese food. But Jennifer's saying it's more of a production decision than a reflection of how people eat in real life people don't eat out of takeout boxes, generally speaking, right? Like in television, you see like, you know, they're in the in the police station and people are eating out of the takeout boxes. But like in reality, that's like a terrible idea, right? Because you have like meat and rice like separately, like you actually want to mix them uh, together. And so you actually have, you know, disproportionate representation of how often like New Yorkers ate like Chinese food <laughs> as a
3: result of movies and television relative to real life. And so then you have this entire kind of world like thinking like Americans eat out of like takeout boxes. And- to the point um sometimes this company full will get like requests from people in, like i don't know Belgium
1: or like South Africa cuz they're like throwing like a an american style party and they wanted to take out boxes maybe pop culture gave me this idea that delivery was way more popular in the 90s and 2000s than it actually was like i thought it was happening everywhere and that everybody got it and it was super easy but delivery wasn't something that i grew up with or even do too much of now it just never made sense to me but It seems like it feels way more normal for everybody else.
0: You know, I don't remember doing too much delivery either. Like, we'd usually go pick up a pizza from a local place in town, but then my town got a pizza hut and everything changed.
1: As in, like, your family went there instead.
0: Give me a Pizzone any day of the week.
1: Yeah, so we didn't even do pizza delivery. Uh, And still now, the idea of someone having to drive across town and hand deliver food that was made for me, it's just like makes my skin crawl a little bit and I was trying to figure out why that whole process makes me feel so like I don't know like guilty but then I saw my dad recently and I started to kind of zero in on it okay dad why why have you never ordered delivery
2: because I'm too cheap to pay the delivery charge and to pay the tips I would much rather go to the restaurant a local neighborhood restaurant and and go pick it up myself I mean, they're a Chinese restaurant all over the place, two minutes from the house, one, one mile, two miles from the home, from my home. So why don't, why don't I just drive over there and pick it up myself?
1: Basically, for my dad, it boils down to two things. He can do it himself. This is, by the way, a dad who brought himself a deep fryer so he can make fries in his garage.
0: That's dedication.
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> and then the other factor for my dad is that delivery is expensive.
0: Oh, (laughs) I said
2: Americans don't mind paying their five, six, seven dollars on on the service charge or or tipping the deliverer. Compared to you, to me, yeah. Well, that's only a personal thing, because I'm too much of a tightwad, too much of a spendthrift.
1: I think your I think your habits have passed on to me.
2: Oh, I'm glad to pass that on to you. (laughs) As long as your friend don't think you are too strange.
1: No, I mean, I, I do... I have delor- ordered delivery during the pandemic, but it was kind of the first time that I indulged it.
2: Yeah, well, these are very extraordinary times. You know, people have to stay at home for precaution's sake. And that's... That Deter a lot of people, everybody, from going out anywhere.
1: So in some ways, these crazy circumstances make sense for delivery?
2: I think so. But... Since I have more time because of the pandemic, I don't have to go visit people as much, so I have more time at home. I rather go grocery shopping once a week and cook myself, especially when, when your spouse thinks that you cook better than restaurants. So that's more incentive to cook at home.
1: I think you're putting words in mom's mouth.
2: Mm, well, you can uh, ask mom about that <laughs> and uh, have mom verify that. Okay, do call, do call mom right now.
1: Do a fact check. Yeah, do a. and you go. Your mom. I did not have to call my mom because my dad is an excellent cook. I may be against delivery for all the reasons my dad laid out, but I think he's right. The pandemic has basically reformatted my brain on what's okay during these times. And the circumstances of the last year seems to have really changed how a lot of diners think about delivery. Four of the major third-party delivery apps, including DoorDash and Grubhub, they each posted about twice as much revenue from April to September in 2020 than during the same period the year before data like this isn't the whole story because the number of households ordering delivery hasn't jumped as much as the amount of revenue for these apps. And we'll get to that later. But for me, Ruth Tam, the pandemic did start to kind of change my attitude towards delivery. I didn't want to get delivery the night a mouse ran over my foot and I burned my dinner. But four months later, I had another pretty bad day.
0: Oh, I think you messaged me about this, like at the time. And I think I can pull up the conversation right now.
1: Yeah. So if you remember, it was mid-January, about a week after the capital insurrection. So I like, wasn't in a great place emotionally. And I was just like getting really caught up in work. And I hadn't eaten all day. And I think around like 1.30, I messaged you. And I was like, I want to order tacos from Takariya Sochi. But the order would come in at 3. So we're talking about like a
0: 90-minute wait time. And being the good friend that I am, I was absolutely supportive. And I said, yes, get the tacos.
1: Yeah, I was like, I'm starving now, though. And then by the time I actually ordered them, they are like, ah, your estimated wait time is 120 minutes.
0: And then later Uh... you said, almost an hour until tacos arrive. But I said, but who's counting?
1: Literally me. I was counting. (laughs) I was, like, staring, like, sitting in front of my computer, rocking back and forth, like, (laughs) sweating.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then I wonder out loud, hmm, do I have food? I do not know. That is a good enough reason to follow your lead. Maybe I also had tacos on this day and I don't remember.
1: Well, I remember my tacos. Uh, I ordered carnitas and elote and guacamole and everything came with a really amazing salsa. And I just like tucked in and it was the start of my day turning around. I put on a documentary about an octopus. It was great.
0: My octopus teacher?
1: Yes, Oscar-winning documentary, My Octopus Teacher. <laughs> so I think that day was maybe the start of me accepting delivery more. Like, it only took a year of living at home and and struggling real hard. Uh, like when I couldn't handle cooking or take care of myself, delivery was there for me. Um, every other time, though, I tend to lean towards cooking for myself or just picking up takeout. And I do this with some regularity. I go to El Tamarindo and I pick up my favorite pupusa and tamales platter. I go to Pop Sea Bar and pick up a deviled catfish. These are options that are available to me.
0: Okay, but one thing we should talk about, Ruth, is how going and picking up takeout isn't for everyone. You live within walking distance of several great restaurants, but I don't have a ton of stuff nearby. I have to hop on my bike if I want to get something, and I'm lucky enough to be able to do even that. So if you can't walk to a restaurant or ride a bike or if you don't have a car like your dad does, then it makes sense to order delivery food.
1: Okay, I get that. I will concede to that. I definitely joke that I'm almost a professional schlepper. Like, I will do things the hard way, even if it doesn't really make sense to, as long as it saves me a couple bucks. Making my own food or at least walking to a restaurant for takeout is definitely a part of that. Schlepping doesn't make sense for everyone, though, and it doesn't always make sense for me. But I am an able-bodied person with nearby grocery stores and restaurants I can walk to, so I do it.
0: Right, so in order for you to become a professional schlepper, you also need a walkable city and working public transportation and a landscape of different food options.
1: Even now that I can afford to spend money on delivery from time to time, it's like I have embedded in my brain that delivery is just not for me, that I should be spending my income in other ways. But even though delivery means spending money, which I hate, it can sometimes narrow the gap between you and restaurant food if you don't have those other things. And it obviously helps when you're mentally or physically unable to cook for yourself.
0: So even if you just arrived at the delivery is okay party, many restaurants and diners have been there for a while. How did they get there and how did they decide delivery made sense for them?
3: Really fancy hotels would provide uh, delivery services. Uh, Granted, they would often ask you to send your servant, which tells you something about the type of people who were able to partake in food delivery at the time.
0: That's after the break. We're back, trying to figure out what drove restaurants to start delivering food. As we researched, we learned advertising and delivery vehicles weren't widespread until the 60s or 70s. But when did the idea for delivery originate? It turns out it's really hard to nail down.
3: So the idea of like a sit-down establishment uh, sending you food is relatively new. But the idea of takeaway from just a place that cooks um, is very, very old.
0: Emily Rude is a food historian. She's written a book about how chicken became America's go-to meat, and she publishes a magazine called *Eaten*. Emmeline says that the idea of having food delivered to you isn't as wildly innovative as Grubhub or DoorDash might have you believe. People have been delivering food forever.
3: Basically, in every society, if you were rich enough, you could pay somebody to bring you literally whatever food you want it. You see it in ancient Rome, you see it in the Aztec Empire, you see it in ancient China, um, you see it all throughout the colonies, and you see it in the United States as well. So in the 17th century, really fancy hotels would provide uh, delivery services. Uh, Granted, they would often ask you to send your servant, which tells
1: you something about the type of people who were able to partake in food delivery at the time. But isn't what Emmeline's describing here more like takeout as opposed to delivery? Like, I know people use those words interchangeably, but I think the way that we're using them, we think of delivery as being restaurant food delivered, ready to eat to your home. But takeout is when you go and pick up that food yourself.
0: Okay, so what Emmeline's describing may sound like takeout. And quick side note, a lot of people use this word, takeout, interchangeably with delivery. But for us... We think of delivery as being restaurant food delivered ready to eat to your home. Takeout is when you go pick up that food yourself. Anyway, what Emmeline is describing puts the onus of getting the food on the customer, which sounds like takeout, but it's actually more like delivery as we know it now. Because in the old times, it was still servants going to get the food. Someone besides the person eating it had to do the job of delivery.
1: Yeah, so this basically aligns with how I think of delivery food now, that it's basically for rich people, or just at least people who would rather spend their money over their time.
0: Well, Ruth, for hundreds and hundreds of years, you were absolutely correct.
1: So in its
3: earliest origin, it was just 100% um, a thing of convenience. It was just some rich person couldn't be bothered to, you know, walk to the hotel and pick it up. But they had the means, they had the staff, they had many, many resources at their disposal to get it delivered to them.
0: It's possible that there were people working specifically as food couriers. Emmeline says she saw evidence of a service in Venezuela where a kid courier would deliver cake to your door. But mainly what she's found are advertisements for restaurants that would encourage you to send your own servants to come and collect your dinner.
3: There weren't like legions of people on, on bikes ready to bring you your hotel food.
0: And that's partly because, for the majority of U.S. history, eating at a restaurant didn't serve the same purpose as it does now. In the 18th and 19th centuries, if you traveled to another town, for example, you might dine at the inn where you stayed or grab some food from the local tavern. But because long-distance travel was only accessible to the very rich, dining out was really only something that the very rich did. I'm really interested by this. I think that these days going out to a restaurant is something I do for fun and delivery and takeout are what I look to when I'm out of groceries. Ordering in replaces cooking at home. But until the 20th century, the whole scenario was different. People didn't really eat at restaurants for fun and ordering delivery was almost like if a rich person had a craving, they could get someone to go pick up the food to satisfy that craving
3: food delivery of cooked meals has never really been that essential of a service. Like, most people can continue their lives without food delivery. Um, And most people had to because food delivery just wasn't a thing that most people could partake in. They have houses, they have kitchens. Like, the vast majority of meals in American history up to this time were eaten at home.
0: And then around 1900, the American way of life starts to shift. First, people start working farther away from home then you start seeing menus with takeaway items listed. Those folded white containers that are synonymous with Chinese food, they were originally used as oyster pails to bring oysters back home to eat or for a quick takeaway lunch for workers during that time.
1: But once again, isn't that takeaway, not delivery?
0: Correct. What Emmeline is saying is that before restaurants offered delivery, they offered takeout, which tested out a few basic concepts. First. You need diners who want to eat restaurant food instead of home-cooked food. Second, these diners need to be able to pay for it. And third, you need scale, which in this case means enough diners ordering food to go that you think, hey, maybe they'd be interested in having the food delivered straight to them.
3: The earliest advertisement that um, I've been able to find for um, delivery services is from a Chinese restaurant in Los Angeles um, from 1922.
1: Okay, but... In our research for this season, haven't we heard stories from different historians about even earlier restaurants offering delivery in places like San Francisco?
0: For sure. But I bring this one up because the ad Emmeline found from 1922 points to some social and cultural trends that made delivery a little more attainable. Mainly, people in the U.S. are doing pretty well. By the roaring 20s, electricity is becoming more widespread, and telephones are now the hot new form of communication. Businesses have longer hours, and nightlife is more of an option. The employment rate is up in the U.S., and cheap credit is available to more people, so spending is less tight. And industrialization really pushes the U.S. into an economic boom. A middle class develops, and people in the U.S. have some disposable income.
1: Okay, that makes sense. But just because there's an ad from 1922 that showcases delivery doesn't mean it was, like, the number one way to eat food back then.
0: Even though delivery as we know it didn't start here, the building blocks were in place.
3: It's really hard to pinpoint, like, this is the moment where all of a sudden, like, delivery became a thing. Um, Because, like, all processes, I'm sure it was super gradual. I'm sure there was, like it popped up in multiple places, and and one restaurant was the first to do it um, because it's just intuitive. But obviously it takes certain demographic and economic shifts that you have more people living in cities close together. Um, They have to live within a distance that you can feasibly deliver hot food. Um, Granted, I don't know what the delivery times were. I don't know if it arrived still hot um, at the end.
0: If a restaurant offered delivery, Emmeline says... It was possible because of economic prosperity. The main difference is now delivery food is becoming slightly more of an option for more people. It's not entirely about luxury.
1: Learning about this history, it's kind of fun to see how the history of delivery food aligns with some of my assumptions about how it exists in the world today. Like, delivery originated during this time where there was a wealth gap, and it gained popularity as more Americans had disposable income. And here we are during another time of remarkable income inequality, and once again, delivery is wildly popular. But just because food delivery is popular does not mean it comes without a whole host of complicated questions and ethical conundrums. And this is what we're gonna explore on the next season of Dish City. Especially through the
3: pandemic, we've placed like a greater emphasis on, on tips and making sure that that couriers feel appreciated for the work that they do.
0: Do you feel like you're, you're treated fairly as like a driver?
1: Treated fairly? sure no one shot me and i haven't been beat up
0: before we dive into the thorny questions that delivery brings up for us now we need to talk about the cuisine that started it all american chinese food
1: i mean almost overnight you just had these lines develop at these chinese restaurants
0: there is
2: no real reason to make american chinese food at home because it's always going to be better when it's delivered
0: that's next time on dish city
1: This episode of Dish City was produced by me, Ruth Tam.
0: And me, Patrick Fort. Our managing producer is Ponzi Rutsch.
1: Mike Kidd mixed this show. Monica Ashby is WAMU's chief content officer and oversees everything we make here.
0: If you love this episode, subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work by leaving us a tip at wamu.org slash supportdishcity. Any amount counts. Thanks so much.
1: Let us know where you're eating delivery. Email us your pictures and your recommendations, as well as your questions and stories about delivery. Our email address is dishcity at WMU.org. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DishCity.
0: On our next episode, how American Chinese restaurants pioneered the whole deliver food to your door strategy. See ya. Bye.